Well, welcome to the Creator Studio Podcast, formerly the Jeff and Dave Podcast. I don't know if you noticed that, Jill, by the way. Where we talk creativity and everything creative. That's writing, filmmaking, acting, production, photography, voiceover, painting, pottery, sculpting. We've had that in our intro since the beginning, and I'm so glad that we get to actually talk about it with someone. Anyway, I am Dave Salvi. And I'm Jeff Zimmerman. For more on your host, visit for crying out loud, ent.com and davidsalvi.com. We're hosted by SoundCloud and uh, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe, like, and share the Creator Studio podcast today. I, it, it's been hard to contain my excitement since we first started talking, Jill. I, uh, we are with Jill Bonaguro, a good Italian name. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. Um, and I'm going to let her introduce herself a little bit, but I like to call her the self-taught polymath, <laughs> a very talented uh, woman that we have a great honor of talking to. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I'm supposed to be letting you talk and introduce yourself. So go ahead. Well, I'm a bit shy, so I don't mind listening to you speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be here. And I'm a self-taught sculptor and playwright. I end up doing a lot of things most of the time. So I work a lot. That's great. <laughs> I think uh, something about being self-taught that's pretty special. And we'll get into all that. Uh, but just so everyone knows, she is also, and I swear I'm not like Mr. Gung-Ho <laughs> Rambler guy, but she was featured in uh, the Loyola Quarterly Magazine, Loyola University of Chicago and they, in the footsteps of Michelangelo, and we'll get into what that really means. Um, and that's where I, I reached out to you, and you agreed to, to let us come to your studio and harass you with questions. It's been enlightening and fun, but we really want to... And dusty. A, a little <laughs> dusty. It's all right. I'll clean my shoes later. Uh, I shouldn't have worn black pants. That was stupid. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Don't wear black to a marble studio. Right. I wore a black shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's pull it back. You grew up in Northwest Indiana. Yes, that's but correct. But let's talk, I think, from an artistic point of view or just being a kid maybe with a uh, an imagination or, or looking at art or art forms. What were... What were some early inspirations for you? Uh, well, it, my family life was pretty busy. I'm uh, number four out of six kids. So there was, there was a lot of attention going on in a lot of different places. And I always painted and drew and, and wrote. I wrote my first poem, I think, when I was six or seven. So uh, the creativity part came about uh, one of my great aunts was like she draws well maybe you should put her in art lessons so oh really <laughs> i actually had not figure drawing lessons at seven but i had a still life drawing sessions with a academic instructor mm -hmm. which was very helpful and sort of set the stage for well why would i draw from a picture if i could draw from life for the most right. of my life so and see mm -hmm. here i thought mm -hmm. Jill's humble beginnings began with a Play-Doh factory, <laughs> <laughs> holding the, the different colored no. Play-Doh, which led I didn't to even really like it. working with marble. Well, no, there, there, are, there are a number of drawings here. Yeah. You're obviously very talented. We are at Jill's studio Explain, in Chicago. Describe the, uh, the environment. We walk in, and it, it's everything I wanted because we see a block of Italian marble right <laughs> as, as we walk in. You see that straight ahead. With your fiberglass modern Athena, mm -hmm. what would you call that a figurine? It's a model. Or a model. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are drawings just all sketches. over the walls, sketches, Black and white sketches, and then sculptures 
around around the entire studio, as you could imagine, and uh, about three and a half thousand pounds of dust, <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not complaining about it. I swear. Um, but I have never been to a sculptor studio, and and we're gonna understand why not a lot of people have, <laughs> because of the art form. Um, but it is, it is cool. You feel like you're, kind of, pushed back into history a little bit, and I do mean that because of uh, how much I love the art form, sculpting, and you know your tools, your chisels, your hammer, everything. All of that sort of brings it. It's exactly what I expected, and I expected great things, and it's great. Except Michelangelo didn't have the Dremels, <laughs> right? And the, the the electric sanders, or the iPhones, yeah. Or, or the yeah. IPhone. <laughs> All right, so so you're encouraged by your aunt, and and you take up these classes, mm-hmm. and you're so what happens through into high school and, and college? What were some of the major milestones as as you as you reflect back? Well, my parents were always very supportive Mm -hmm. of any artistic endeavors. And for the most part, um, I worked a lot with my dad. He had a tendency to be a hobbyist with carpentry. Mm. So I did many things like, you know, jack a house up off its foundations to redo termite damage, replace floors, tile, a lot of carpentry and I learned to use tools and work with tools in a, in a lot of ways. Like little girls at the time simply did not do these things. But you just got so. really good with your hands. Working yes. with tools and yes. forming and building and yeah. all these things. And then I was also a lab technician for my father who was an orthodontist by trade. Okay. So I made retainers oh, and bite blocks. There you go. And There's your molding. Because he, like I did the classes when I was seven years old, but then they stopped offering that. And then, you know, you have that art class in school, in grade school and high school. But it wasn't until high school that I had an excellent art teacher, who I'm still friends with, That's Mrs. Great. Bouchong, who made sure I went to the Art Institute for figure drawing mm-hmm. on the weekends when I was still in high school. So. Oh, wow. You know, sometimes it just takes those few people in sure. your life. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> just give you a head start. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So what brought you to Rogers Park? Uh, Loyola gave me an academic scholarship. Oh, great. I thought that was good. Yeah. That's <laughs> so did my parents. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's great. And did you like it? I loved Loyola. Yeah. I mean... I enjoyed the Jesuit academic tradition. I, I actually was one of the geeks who, when it came down to, did, did I want to go to the Art Institute for college or Loyola? On one hand, there was a monetary difference. But on the other hand, I wanted to study biology and math and philosophy, the core subjects, mm-hmm. the humanities, basically. Right. And I didn't feel I was going to get that in art school. And if I felt still strongly about it, I'd get a, a master's in art afterwards. And you got your, you got your degree in creative writing. That's you correct. are a playwright. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us about those <laughs> endeavors a little bit? Um, what I can't express in stone, I can express in words. Mm-hmm. I enjoy creating sculptures that I feel express enough on their own basis like I don't need a page-long art statement to stand next to the sculpture I want people to feel and emote and think through the piece themselves with maybe just a little bit of an aside for me but with playwriting I have all these ideas and thoughts that I can't 
necessarily say directly through a sculpture. I either have to place a long artist statement again or like have like a film running alongside it. Mm-hmm. Whereas playwriting allows you to be performance art and say all the things I can't say with a three-dimensional piece. Do you ever perform? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so these other... Uh, passions, right. <laughs> these other artistic you. endeavors allow you to almost, uh, to, they bring additional perspective to the, the other types mm-hmm. of things. Your, your sculpts, your work in, in, in sculpting is enhanced by your, by what you learn about yourself through your playwriting. Correct. I guess there's an argument that can be made. There are a lot of creative people who do a lot of things well. Their uh, expertise may not be in any one of those things. Mm-hmm. So some people might suggest that you're spre- that that type of artist is spreading themselves thin. Oh, I disagree. Oh, yes, with I've that. heard that quite a That's few times. That's the argument. I, I disagree with that. As argument. opposed to honing in on that one thing and doing it really well. I would push back and say Mm -hmm. that you have your one thing and that these are just supporting activities to feed the brain. That you you have to do. Because you can't be doing that one thing at every single moment of the day. Writing can be very cathartic. It is cathartic. It's also very difficult to do. And my pushback always is, all I do is two things, playwriting and sculpting. (laughs) So back off, (laughs) critics and Jeff. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like if I get the reason I enjoy working on a, a on a multi project, it's not so much that I think I can do everything at once. I really can't. Like if it comes down to really finalizing something, that's all I focus on. But making sure you're never stuck and still feeling creative juices mm, flow. That's, yeah. It's really helpful to not just be like modern thing, modern thing, modern thing. Right. Because otherwise you're just like, well, maybe the, that arm won't be correct. But instead I just keep flowing along. And, and it seems odd, but I actually work faster right. because there's no hesitation. And when you, when you hit those blocks, mm. you've got something else to go to. Yeah, and just sit Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Pull back a bit. How did you self te- how did you self teach yourself? That's a horribly. How did you s- how tell did me you how the, the self teaching process of sculpting? I'm really curious. Well, where did I, it start? Well, we'll go back to Loyola, right? All right, Loyola. Well, Loyola. I love Loyola. <laughs> so we go back to Loyola, and I had originally had a, a double major: English, creative writing, and, and art. And when it came down to choosing what I wanted to major in for art, I had to choose a discipline, painting, ceramics, etc. I was like, well, I can't decide. And the person in charge of the program at, this, at the time said, you have to decide. I said, I can't decide. <laughs> you must. <laughs> this is a long time ago, so people weren't getting multimedia installation, art degrees, or a- anything. Mm. You did really have to make a decision. And... So I dropped the major, and then I just took every art class available at Loyola. And I ended up at one point, there was a class there where you could cut wood, do metal work, Mm. and he was like, and sculpt. I was like, okay. 
So I take this class, and it's divided four weeks in each section. So he, this teacher introduced, he gave us all a block of limestone, and he introduced it with, I actually don't know how to carve. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's like, I do not carve, but I can tell you the basics of carving. Wow. He's like, here's a point chisel, here's a flat hair, here's a tooth. I can, you know, here we can sand by hand a little bit. He's like, try to start with the point, and he just left us alone. The kicker is he has no arms. That's why he can't do it. Flailing, <laughs> yeah. like. Here, I, I, that's interesting. <laughs> so what, what I found out many years later when I started teaching myself, well, A, we didn't even have sharp chisels back then. That's why it was so hard, because mm, I had. Blunt. <laughs> blunt chisels. Yeah. Right, you have problem. no precision. <laughs> You know, I did a wheel throwing <laughs> class at Loyola. It was a lot of fun. Like in so, uh, Ghost. Uh, anyway. Well, well, all the other classes are phenomenal. But yeah. it, it gave me a taste, a little tiny taste of carving. And, but I thought, well, this is painful. This is hard. Uh, you know, and I put, you know, I did a piece that got lost in the Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Right, I read that, yeah. And um, I, was, I shelved it until you know, years passed, and I kept thinking, I want to carve. Mm -hmm. So when I... Yeah, so limestone, uh -huh. this is so hard. Uh -huh. <laughs> Maybe I'll move on to marble. Yeah, <laughs> Italian marble. That'll be easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you know you're using the best in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know. Although there's a method to the madness. But, so. but if you can sculpt using limestone, chances mm -hmm. are you can take that skill set and move on to any other type of... This is Medium. this is true, but I had start stops and starts. So if we flash forward to after Hurricane Katrina and all that, so I'm back up in Chicago. I left New Orleans, and I still have this like I want to sculpt. Yeah. So I I worked part time at the Evanston Arts Center. I took clay work, figure in clay, and I learned some casting. And I and I drove the class, the teacher crazy, who I'm still friends with to this day, with building up big blocks of clay, using up most of the class's clay just to cut it down. Because I kept saying, I'm gonna start carving. But stone. There, where's the sculpting influence? <laughs> like I, on a classic scale, uh, you were just like, I. Did you travel to Europe uh, when you were in high school or college? It's. Something I wrote a long time ago that I thought about, not so much sculpture, I thought about the ultimate medium of stone. Mm -hmm. Because well, it's so pure. Is it, was it the process or was it this vision that you had of what that piece of stone could be? I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. That's okay, quote one. I got uh -huh. it in. Michelangelo. <laughs> I got the, three the, more. The vision was this female figure and getting to a, a scale uh, uh, not only of that size in stone, but in, of that size and capability and technique. And that's what drove all this forward because this is something I've dreamt about for over 20 years. 20 so years, I, yeah, yeah. I kind of played around. I studied at Rome Center. I looked at sculpture. I was like, how do they do that? And then it sat. You know, so there were, th it just germinated, and I said, you know, eventually, and I kept trying. Like, when I was in New Orleans, people were like, you want to carve? Okay. Like, no answers, nothing yet. 
and I kept just edging, you know, when I was doing the mold making, it, I decided to pour blocks of plaster and try and carve those. Mm. But it was really bad on your wrist. It's really not what you want to do to the toss. So it's been all driven forward because I had this dream I could do this sculpture this big. Did and you have an actual dream? Simply. Did you have an actual dream? Just no, curious. I'm more a daydreamer where I'll okay. be almost, uh, you know, just sitting in a chair or looking out the window and a vision, you know, I'll see something and be like, that's what I have to do. But the problem was this is more like it was just an idea, mm -hmm. something that floated around in my head. Because when you buy great sculptures, when you go see the, the David and stuff in Florence, it's huge. It's magnificent. And you walk in and it is awe-inspiring. And for me, great works of art release a sense of awe. Mm -hmm. So now you're visualizing. We're kind of all over the map here. We are this, all but, over the map. <laughs> that's what happens when you get three creative people <laughs> and one exceptional polymath. You, you have, Pull it you, back. You, yeah. So you have this vision. You have this. You got to do. You've got this vision. You're thinking about creating this beautiful work of art. How do I get there? And yep. I, I guess that's the question. Is it, it? Are you sketching out what you envision? Are you? going to a computer and using a piece of software to scale it up? How, how does it get from here to there? I definitely don't. Uh, I enjoy computers. I've done a lot of graphic design and web development over the years, but I don't enjoy drawing with a computer unless I absolutely have to. Like if you look at all these sketches. These charcoal just, sketches, are yeah. these the inspiration for what you're yeah, because basically what I said was over 20 years ago, this is what I want to do. Do I have the technique? Do I have the portfolio? Do you have the skill set? No, but I'm going to build. Mm -hmm. So I have four painting series. I have drawing series. I have sculptures now in marble that are figurative. I have sculptures in limestone, and I have now the sculptures in wings. So I finally am ready to put it all together. All these years of training myself. Have you been carving and chipping away, would you say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been approaching this very right. much like I approach a sculpture, like chip, chip, amazing. and take it away. <laughs> the, the drawings themselves. I oh, would have stopped phenomenal. here and said, okay, I've made it. I've, I've figured it out. <laughs> oh, God, if I made that. <laughs> like, look, Mom. These are, are life-size char charcoal yeah those, sketches. Are, yeah. yeah, those are six They're foot. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, from a live model live session. Model. Okay. Mm -hmm. Live models. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it, I felt I needed to do a lot more training because, like, Michelangelo had the benefit of, you know, being accepted into the Medici household. Mm -hmm. He had the best instructors in Italy for painting, for drawing, for sculpture. I'm coming at this from... Well, <laughs> and it like it wasn't it was before he was a teenager, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he started working with the Medici, I think, 11 or 12. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You're huh. reaching back into the centuries mm. and you want to do it all by hand. You want to do it in a traditional and discipline pure, in a yeah. pure and the, obviously the purest of, of materials. It'll be it'll be by hand and the purest of materials. But I'm not, uh, you know, 
ignorant of modern technology. Sure. So, for example, a 17-foot block, you know, instead of just having a big rectangle, I can have machines take down mm-hmm. sections okay. so Section. I can actually get at the stone that I want to carve. Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally... Um, I enjoy technology. I don't enjoy, you know, pneumatic chisels and things like that. But I can appreciate time savers for what is sometimes brute manual labor. Speaking (laughs) so speaking of, Mm -hmm. all right, we're gonna hold on. Mm -hmm. So I purposely set a timer for a one fifty-five. Let me know how much time you do have. You're good. Keep going. Yeah. All right. So. And you're talking about saving time. Mm. Tell and me about strength. And strength. Yeah. Because <clears throat> this mean, is very you physical. It's very yeah. physical, right? Very your hands and your forearms and arms and shoulders mm-hmm. and everything can only mm-hmm. take so much in a given day. Um, where are you now in the process and what is the what is like the typical process? Because right now you have your fiberglass model and then you're chiseling this uh, block of marble that you have. What's after that and then after that? You know, I guess I'm trying to get up to the leading up to the point of where we are now and where finished modern Athena, the the vision, the truest mm-hmm. vision of it. Uh, where are we and where how do we get there? Well, we're at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, I had the idea. I just didn't have the model. I couldn't figure out what I wanted her to look like. You know, you wanted a female that was a symbol of strength and beauty and wisdom, but how to make that, and also all those years of carpentry, how to make sure it can stand mm-hmm. at 17 feet sure. tall. Sure. <laughs> sure. So there's some physics involved. Tons engineering, physics. I would say. Engineering. Yeah. yeah. Sure. The pose is made to be balanced in the center. It might not look that way, but the great weight goes right down the center sure. of the body. No, that makes sense. And then uh, along the feet, the one foot that's up a little bit lifted, mm-hmm. there will pro- there will be a, a rock brace. It'll be unfinished stone, so oh. it'll still be a much more modern take on classical sculpture. It's not going to be like a finished tree branch. Sure. You know, like the the David is backed up by a branch. Right. Right, on his uh, leg, yeah, right? Yeah, like a tree stump sort right, of thing. Right, 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 right. Okay, so, so after this is this block of marble that you have is finished, mm. you will then... Then I will fundraise for the large-scale version. Okay. So the, the model, the plan for the model is to have what's called a permanent mold so that I can have 32-inch versions of it cast in marble. Because if you take marble dust and you add it to resin, you can create a marble sculpture. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why you're saving all the dust. <laughs> right. That's why I'm saving <laughs> all, all those the chips. chunks. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing if somebody could grind <coughs> them all down for me, <laughs> pulverize. That's right. But that'll be, you know, a limited amount of those would be available, mm-hmm. like probably less than 10. Um, and then I would cast them myself and that sort of thing. And then the four-foot version, I already have a collector, uh, some collectors interested in the four-foot version, uh, and the whole point of the four-foot version is to actually showcase 
the larger scale sculpture in marble and really give people the full vision of what it's going to look like. And also allows me to practice. Sure. <laughs> and and this, is, this is going to be the four-foot version. Correct. Okay, mm -hmm. so back to the process. I, mm -hmm. I've got to ask this question. <laughs> sure. So you're chiseling, you're, you're breaking this thing down. and blocking, getting yes. And mm -hmm. getting blocking and getting closer to that finished sculpture. Mm-hmm. What happens if that, the, the, the figure, the, the woman, is leaning a little bit too far to the right? In other words, the, the, the balance is off. You only have one chance at this, don't you? Oh, yeah. That's it. So, one chance. You should see Jill's face right now. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> so there's a certain amount of pressure to really follow that road, that road map. There's pressure, and then there's also understanding stone. Understanding stone, but things yeah. happen. Things chip off. Terrible Piece, things happen. <laughs> Do we things start break. over? What happens? Do we get super glue and try and put it back together? Full part. Gosh, no. No, That's no, him no. being comical. The, the, whole point, the whole point is to do this as perfectly as possible. And that being said, imperfection is a lack of, of perfection. The imperfections is what makes something seem real. Mm -hmm. Humans aren't, no one is fully proportional. Or like, it's like a computer model, yeah, it'd all be perfectly modeled, CNC cut, beautiful. But the whole point of this is to be, you know, emotive and to make people feel something when they arrive at it. And a little bit of imperfection I can live with, because all my pieces have imperfections. But big cracks and breaks, unacceptable. Right. <laughs> An elbow falling off, that's unacceptable. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when do you anticipate, let's say, the, uh, and I'm not trying to, uh, nothing, so has, nothing is set in stone. <laughs> Sorry, these puns are terrible, but... The, the, um, <laughs> when you get the fundraising, mm -hmm. how, how long do you anticipate that to, uh, take? And then when you start modern Athena, how long will the process be from today, December, uh, whatever the day is in December, 2019, uh, this is depending on fundraising and process this is a three to five year before the completion of the large-scale version okay the four-foot version you know I, again if i have to take on a commission i have to stop work on that i have to work sure. on everything in my extra time so the four-foot version is scheduled from anywhere between now and six months to the end of the year Got it. you know depending on how my schedule mm -hmm. of goes this coming year and then the large scale version to quarry a beautiful 17 foot block of stone $35 dollars <laughs> $35 yeah. and a week no, yeah right it, it might take six months to even quarry a block really like wow mm -hmm. and if it's in on Italian time I'd say a year yeah right <laughs> yeah oh god now you're gonna be in Athens, Greece yes, for this. Yes, that is correct. Well, just for January. Just for January, mm -hmm. okay. And what will you mm -hmm. be doing there primarily? Uh, part of this project is I can sit around in my studio here in Chicago and start making a, a four-foot sculpture. 
but what happens when I'm done? I, I mentioned fundraising, et cetera. Well, there's also the questions of exhibiting. Like, should this be exhibited at a gallery? Should I try to hit up for a museum space? The whole point of the uh, Athens residency is I'll be working with a team of people on some of my professional development for this project. Because again, I can't just carve a, a sculpture and then be like, okay, everybody ready? Yeah, I'm right. ready. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come see the glory that <laughs> is you, in front of you. Do you enjoy the business part of it? Uh, it's a necessary evil, but do you enjoy it? I enjoy being smart about my my time and money. I mean, I don't understand how to. I live off my work. So there's some amount of business I just simply have to pay attention to. Am I brilliant at it? No. But I do know in the art world that the timelines are long and you need to get started early. So I'm meeting with these people in Athens and working there for a month and going over things. Because on one hand, I want Italian marble. Will it be possible? Will I possibly need Grecian marble? Mm. I'm not sure. It's also the the Athena, the name, is, is where I gained the uh, original inspiration. So. Well, the Grecian marble would mm. really be settling, wouldn't it? <laughs> My wife's Greek. <laughs> <laughs> My father-in-law's from Athens. Yeah. I don't mean to creep you out, but there's like way too many connections going on here. Um, well, I'm I, going to see those quarries. But why, uh, So that's what you're, you'll be doing? I, yeah, I went with, yeah, in okay. part. Okay. And, and some networking, sure. you know, meeting with various curators. And because uh, you need a certain amount of not just Chicago support, I need some international support. Because let's say the 17-foot sculpture is done. It's a big, huge thing to move. You know, will I finish right. most of it in Italy or Greece, or will I finish it in Chicago? Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Mm -hmm. Does it go to a university? Does it, so these are all the questions that have to start. I know it seems odd, but backing up in time, they need to start to be answered in the next year or two. Sure. And when you, um, do you ever think about the perpetuity when it is completed? Mm. You know, f what is it now? What was the David? But David was like well, yeah, late was 15th century, yeah. right? Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I turned 35 in January, and I think to myself, Newbie. what did he do? <laughs> well, what did he do at 35? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> well, then he got stymied a bit. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think about that? 100 Maybe. years from now, 200 years from now? I mean, she will live forever. I don't mean yeah. to make it so existential, but I think that the fact that we talk about the David, mm -hmm. that's pretty, I, I'm trying to say that I'm so impressed by the, the gravity of the work because not only are you doing it in an unconventional time to be sculpting because it's just not. Sculpting marble. Right. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> a, it's not a, unfortunately, not a, a big, Commission. Not remotely popular. Right, right. <laughs> How many sculptors are in the United States? Seven? N no one can even give me that number. Right. How many sculptors are in the United States that can carve marble? I, I mean, to give you a number in Chicago, there are th three people, myself included. Wow. And t one of them doesn't, you know, carve. It's like it's not an active... We're talking so, uh, uh, probably a matter of dozens. 
yeah. which is so small yeah. when you think about it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so in a and it's small over in Italy too. Is it? it? Because again, it's a supply and demand. Who are all these people who want these huge marble sculptures that are fragile? They can be broken. Sure. Not really repaired easily. <laughs> what sort of doubts do you have in your head about it all? Mm. Artists are always struggling psychologically. Yeah, I, I believe. I agree. It, because who's pushing this project forward? Me. You. Yeah. Who decided I need to do this? You know, me, myself, and I. And the struggle is, I should say the struggle was for a long time, what was she going to look like? But now that I finally spent this last year just grilling myself, back in the studio every day work on that clay i don't care how tired you are figure this pose out figure out this face you know this is going to be a combination of races and ideas and i want it all to be this you know contained in this figure that was a lot of doubt there um and now it's a matter of you know just doing the project yes I think there's always fear. Whew, can I really do this? This is crazy. But I know I can. As a seven-year-old, you were able mm -hmm. to fall back on your aunt yeah. and, and, mm -hmm. and revel in her encouragement. Mm -hmm. Now as an adult, as an accomplished sculptor, mm -hmm. who do you, during those times when uh, a little bit of self-doubt creeps in, who's there for you? Hmm. Or is it all self-talk? The Creator Studio Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, well, th that's actually a tough question. I have a lot of, I have a, no, my tendencies are to sit within myself. If I start to feel like I can't do this, I guess you can, you know, I can complain to my boyfriend. I can complain to my sisters and sort of things like that. Oh, I'm worried. I'm stressed, and and I do, but when I'm really, you know, worried in any way about a new commission, about an art project, or where I'm going, I go silent, and I I dig deep. Introspective. Within. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I have two more quotes to share with you. I'll read them <laughs> back to back. One of them is yours. Because I love it. <laughs> and it reminded me of one that I really, really love. The only risk to pursuing your dream is to not pursue it. And that's very mm -hmm. akin to the greater, uh, the greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim, aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. Said by, mm -hmm. could you guess? <laughs> Michelangelo. <laughs> so um, I have one too. Uh, here we go. <laughs> a block of marble has a statue inside it. It's up to the sculptor to discover it. Very much I like the angel. I said that. No. Oh, that's you. Uh -huh. No. It was brilliant. I'll have to research that. I don't know who said it. But yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, I'm not good. sure either. Yeah. Right. So t in 2020, mm. you will be in Athens in January, mm -hmm. and then you'll continue the mission of modern Athena. Mm -hmm. I cannot, first being a lover of, uh, of, of sculpture and, in the in the art form from you know 500 years ago, I could not be 
you know, a, a, a big, a bigger fan because I, I want you to achieve this so badly for many reasons. Obviously one of them being such a nice person, I want you to <laughs> achieve your dream. Thank so you. what does the rest of 2020 look like, um, in achieving that dream? Uh, this, I keep saying to myself, cause this has been a long process, right. you know, and I was set back a little bit, you know, I had an arm injury, so my arm had to rest for almost a year and a half from, from the work. Oh, wow. Yeah. From wow. the work. Yeah. Wow. So it, my time frame's a little bit off, but then I try to think, well, I'm just left to being, now I'm at the stage where I'm just ready to work. So what I see with 2020 is I still feel a lot of internal pressure. Like I just right. want the best to kind. work yeah. and work and work. And it's just going to be another tough year. It's to push through this four foot version is going to take a lot out of me. Well, tell us, I know you had your, your Kickstarter and then you had that other, uh, this past. Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How else can people support you? Uh, buy sculptures. Buy <laughs> commission, buy sculptures. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, you said you're going to do another, when this is complete, you're going to do uh, another one, yes, right? So that'll probably be a little bit different. Too. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we have to follow you, yeah. right? On yeah. Instagram. And <laughs> I mean, that's the benefit of social media. We can reach the world right. and then try to support your mission. Right. So I, I want to encourage everyone to do so because I think it's a very important yeah. mission. And part two of our podcast with Jill mm -hmm. will yeah. be when we're able to see yes. the transformation. Yes. yes. I think yeah. that would be amazing. Yes. Yeah. Because you're 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 catching me right at the beginning. Mm. The model making wasn't the most exciting part. I mean, it was me and a model for hours on end. You know, just then me by myself for hours on end. But now, like I I always think seeing a piece of stone go from raw rock to a sculpture is it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can <laughs> how can folks follow your work? see your portfolio, see what you've created, learn your story? Well, there's always social media. So, you know, at Jill Bonagirl. So it's J-Y-L, B as in boy, O-N-A, G as in girl, U-R-O. Uh, for Instagram, you'll find me also on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I try to keep the website updated. <laughs> I love your videos. I, your videos yeah. are great. I love putting up videos because I think it, it makes things so much more real than a still image. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Especially before and afters. It's the time lapses I've already started on this block. It's going to take a while for anything more exciting to happen. <laughs> you just throw a GoPro up there or... Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the GoPro, nice. I've, and um, we'll see how the footage starts to turn out. When you're just blocking stone, it's really not exciting. You're like, ah. But yeah, <laughs> as you see it in the time lapse, it's well, cool. Yeah, 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 of course. Why don't you can speed all that up? Yeah. Uh, well, any any parting thoughts? Any parting thoughts, Jill? Fascinating things Isn't to share with the greater artist, or, you know, artist community in the mm. in the world about what you've learned over. Uh, your years and your experiences? Uh, I really think it's important to believe in yourself and to not stop even when it seems um, impossible, ridiculous, or um, impractical. I live um, 
the impractical dream because I, I think it's the best form of reality I could possibly achieve. But it's essential, right? It's absolutely I did essential. my homework, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's art. Yes, it is essential. <laughs> it's a hard thing to explain to people. <laughs> Any endeavor, writing, you know, all mm-hmm. those things. The only thing people understand now is television, and that's kind of <laughs> sad, right? Well, it, they're good stories. Of course. They can tell good no, stories. I'm just saying yeah. I, I wouldn't want to neglect <laughs> other art forms. That's <laughs> right. all. Yeah. Uh, well... Obviously, we and listeners need to pay attention to this person for many reasons. First of all, she's nice enough to let us come here after a couple of. You guys have been great. No, it's it, it really your hospitality and and obviously sharing your story was an absolute pleasure. So with that, anything else, Jeff? No. Yeah, I was going to say it all started with a Play-Doh factory. But so yeah, of course. <laughs> Amazing how it could go from there to where we Absolutely. are today. Uh, Jill, I respect and love what you're doing. Keep going. So this was the uh, Creator Studio Podcast for all you creative folks out there, whether it's your career, side hustle, passion project, weekend retreat, exercise, or the one activity at night that keeps you sane in this crazy thing we call life. Wouldn't you agree with that? (laughs) We're here to chat about it. Thank you so much, Jill. Thanks, Jill. Uh, Grazie mille uh, from the bottom of our hearts (laughs) for your story (laughs) and your time. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, subscribe, like, share, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Farewell, friends. See you next time.